Warning, this podcast features adult subject matter, adult language, and things not meant for children to hear. Viewer discretion is advised. You've been warned. Warning, this podcast features adult subject matter... We might actually have, we did it again. We're live, live everybody on the YouTube channels. Thank you everyone for coming in to the newest live episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like an Eddie Bravo. This evening, we've got an interesting set of fights to talk about, uh, different card than what we've gotten spoiled with the last couple of cards but still there's some some shit that definitely needs to be talked about on this one just the same but before we get too deep into that i do want to take just a quick moment here and say what's up and thank you to my brother from another mother my wednesday night homeboy my compatriot in combat sports shit talking tj how the fuck are you doing tonight my friend fuck next one i was actually looking forward to this one and i don't know necessarily why because to be honest the card's not all that fucking phenomenal but some odd reason this Thursday I just felt like it was a good it was a good week this week so yeah. as much needed. I, I think so. I think there's definitely a little bit to this here. So uh, let's dive right the fuck into it here. First thing we're gonna do, like we do every episode, is we're gonna dive right into some news and recent events. Uh, some things that have happened since the last time we talked to you, beautiful folks. Some things that have been updated and confirmed throughout the course of the week. Um, the first thing I do want to take just a second to talk about, though, before we get into all of the, the news and upcoming events and things that have happened this week is, holy fucking shit, ladies and gentlemen, that knee piece in a soda is fucking historic, cemented. The jaw was tested with a beautiful, what did he call it, a knee breaker from hell or something like that. Jorge Fucking Masvidal, ladies and gentlemen. If you didn't know, you fucking do now. Street Jesus is the fucking truth. Holy shit. As far as I can tell, there are only two options for the UFC at this point. Either they give Jorge the winner of Robbie versus Colby, and then the winner of that fights Usman for the belt, or they skip over Robbie and Colby all together and street Jesus gets the next title shot. Those are the only two things that make sense. In my opinion here, obviously I would rather see Jorge just go straight for the fucking belt. 16 years as a pro on fucking countable UFC highlight shots, including this weekend's new UFC fastest knockout record. I think he absolutely deserves his fucking shot at it, but I understand with the whole Robbie and Colby thing, you might want to let that play out and then let the winner of that versus Jorge be the title eliminator fight. I wouldn't be mad at either one, but holy shit, boys and girls, if you have not seen last week's entire card, definitely go watch. But that knee. I'm going to say this. I have a feeling um, Street Jesus is going to get fucked here Um, because I doubt Big Daddy Dana is going to give him a shot. I really do. Mira, um, Big Daddy Dana was all over his nutsack this week and after that, which um, to be expected because anytime, oh my God, there's a new record, 
take that data and assign anybody to that side when that happens. However, um, I really think he, he automatically deserves that shot. Like, Colby aside, that dude hasn't done shit in what, a year and a half? At least, yeah. Um, Robbie did get beaten by the guy that just got mopped off in five seconds, albeit a look, a W is a W, no matter how controversial it is to call it. It, it, is, it is a win. Oh. I won't say he beat him. I will say he won. He, he did beat him. The fucking they called the fight. That's a win. Win that, beat. Yeah. Same thing. Now, I'm not saying he fucking put a licking on him. Okay. I was going to say, that's where I'll split that, hair. That, that's, that's, oh. that's different. That's a completely different thing. I didn't say he fucking went out there and dominated because he obviously okay. did. Okay. But he did win that fight. He beat Robbie. Yes, he did. Whatever you want to fucking call it. So you just knocked out the guy that beat Robbie. You should automatically be in that spot because that's who, where Aspen was going to go had he not decided to um, be a dumb fuck and fall for something so goddamn openly, just blatant that you knew it was fucking coming. You could see that from 10,000 miles away. I could be a blind fucking hooker and know that that dick wasn't no good. Well, and case in point, when uh, Jorge went on TMZ Sports, was it earlier today or yesterday afternoon, they actually set it out where he was going to give that infamous flying knee to one of the guys on the show. He put a fucking helmet on. He was all fucking ready for it. And he gave him a case of the fucking Matador as soon as Jorge came. And he was coming. And as soon as Jorge lifted off the ground, literally, he stood up and rolled backwards. And Jorge went right the fuck past him. But for whatever reason, Ben couldn't seem to do that. Yeah, but where I was going with that is he beat the guy that, in my book, should have been the one that was next in title line. However, because Robbie ended up losing that fight, it doesn't matter how you, how you pan it out, how controversial the win is, it drops him down to wrong. That's just the way the fucking sport works. Yep. So when you beat the guy that beat Robbie, who should have been next to my, let me just put it this way. You worked Darren Till like a fucking schoolyard bitch like nobody ever has before like nobody and darren tills nobody to be fucked with he is a very strong fucking fighter i'm a big fan of darren till yep like Osvidal, street jesus work that motherfucker then come in and of course the only way aspen was going to win that fight was with the takedown which is why he shot why he caught that phenomenal flying knee it was fucking fantastic to watch yeah. but uh he should be getting it, but I do not think he will end up with the um, title shot. In fact, I'm going to lay 10 to 1 odds. They're going to wait because the UFC wants to see Robbie there. Yeah. And they have a feeling Robbie is going to run through Colby, and I, I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, I was going to say, I think. Look, just from that short showing that we got when he fought Aspen, uh, I'm going to give it this takeaway as well. Aspen is not a stand-up fighter. We all know that. Yeah. He, he is he's, uh, the fucking Damian Maya of wrestling. Where he country <laughs> pony and he's fantastically well done with it. Yeah, that's a really but good idea. When you look at um, how Robbie looked at the beginning of that fight with Aspen, he looked phenomenal. He went from fucking what was going to be a takedown to just beating ass. His stand-up was looking crisp. I'm just saying... Colby's going to get his ass whipped, and then what they're going to do is they're going to put Street Jesus and 
fucking Robbie Lawler together. Yeah, for the elimination match. For the elimination match, which I think is bogus. Yep. Because um, how long has Vincent Hughesman won that fight? Four months? Yeah. Plus, he's supposed to be recovering from surgery right now and not able to compete again until almost the end of the year. Yeah. So, I, I doubt that they're going to um, put him out on a title fight uh, in, at the end of the year when there is another potential uh, – title challenger there. I think they're going to end up making those guys run it and then winner of that's going to run it. And then you'll finally see fucking Jagoff Usman, 30, Mr. 33%. So, but you know, it's neither here nor there. I'm just saying, um, Danny, you're fucking wrong if you don't give him the title fight because obviously he's earned it. Make those other two wait in line. I agree. I agree completely. And, you know, just more fuel on the fire here just to fucking further push the point that I'm, I'm trying to make. And, and I think you're right on board with me here for, for Jorge's title shot. Look what he did to Darren Till. Darren Till just had a title shot and looked way better against Woodley than he did against Jorge. And Jorge put that motherfucking work in. So like, he's already beaten a title challenger. Then what he just did to Askren, who, according to all, you know, rhyme or reason, the way the UFC was going, was absolutely lined up to get that next title shot. And, you know, granted, I might not be an Askren fan, but I'll tell you this, I would lay every penny in my fucking bank account right now, wager, to say that Ben Askren is 10 times the wrestler that Colby Covington is. And if he ain't going to be able to wrestle Robbie because Askren couldn't fucking wrestle Robbie, it's going to be a Robbie victory there, which I, I think we're, we're both on the same page is most likely in the UFC's eyes going to end up with a Robbie versus fucking Jorge fight somewhere, you know, around early fall. The only thing I can say that would make that not the worst thing in the world is a, if they make that a fucking headline main event, make sure Jorge is taken fucking care of for that. Cause that's what he's looking for right now. He said in his interview the other day, if you're not giving me a title shot, you better pay me what I'm fucking worth. If you're going to hold me around. So if they make it Robbie versus Jorge in a fucking main event in a big fight night later on in the year, and they get that money going for him that I'm okay with, because then what that'll do is that will put either Robbie going back after his fucking belt or street Jesus coming for his title shot that he clearly earned as one of the biggest build-up fights for the beginning of 2020. Maybe even around New Year's, depending on how they could pan this out, you know, injuries aside, we could be looking at a fucking, you know, co-main event on a pay-per-view New Year's card or something like that as well, if this plays out. And depending on how that Robbie fight pans out, if they want to do that match, we might see it in four months. That's what I'm saying. We might be able to line these shits up so where we could see that Robbie versus Jorge potential matchup before the end of this year. And then early right at the beginning of 2020, there's your fucking title shot. And to be honest, I'm not going to lie. It doesn't matter who's fighting Usman. I hope Usman gets his ass because I do yeah. not like that motherfucker at all. Like it, look, he's not a bad fighter. He, he's not. I'll give him that. There's, not, a reason, there's a reason why he got where he, he's got. Absolutely. However, I, I do think that he did fight a lot of soup cans on his way up. Yep. And that's what got him there. Well, and that, and you could 
any, sorry not to cut you off, but any not brand new MMA fan can watch Woodley's last fight and then watch that Woodley and Usman fight and tell that that was not the same fucking Woodley that we've ever normally seen from him. And I'm not a fucking Tyquil fan by any stretch of the imagination. But if he would have fought the way he fought against Till, the way he fought against Maya, the way he fought against his last half dozen matchups, as opposed to the way that he fought against Usman, we wouldn't even be talking about Marty from Nebraska right now. No. Nice choice of words there. Yeah, that you literally took right where I was going with that. Because that, that it, it's, it's a sad fact that, look, Mr. 33% there, I only do 33%. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Because uh, you're not going to get away with 33% if it's Masvidal. You're not going to get away with 33% if it's Lawler. I will say, I will even go this far. You're not going to get away with 33% if it's fucking Covington. Because Covington will wreck your shit if you're 33%. Guaranteed. Look, as much as I don't like Covington and the way he tries to be Conor McGregor-esque, um, he's a much better fighter than he's been. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's neither here nor there. We'll see what happens, how all this plays out. But I have a feeling that there is going to be one more fight before that title fight because he's going to need a surgery in terms of his elbow. Yeah. From what? Yeah. Fucking acute vaginitis. Yeah. Pulled, pulled bicep from spanking it to his own fucking pictures. Yeah. <sighs> but anyway. Moving <laughs> on <laughs> from there. Um, the other oh shit that I want to talk about from last weekend, real quick. I said it last weekend. Several of us talked about this when it was first announced and very much so leading up to it both on some of these shows and in some messenger groups on some forums Luke Rockhold didn't have a fucking chin at 185 and no one besides Luke Rockhold and maybe one or two of his staff seemed to believe that that chin was going to show back up magically when he came to 205 least of all Jan Blahovich. And I think one of the dumbest things a guy with a known weak chin can do is say something really oddly mentally insulting to the guy he's about to fight at the weigh-in. And Luke Rockhold, in a case of possibly having the worst shit-talking ability I've ever fucking seen captured on film, at the weigh-ins and the face-off with Jan Blahovich looked down and said, you got small feet. That's weird. Guess what the first thing Jan Blahovich said in the octagon when he put Rockhold to fucking sleep was? Small feet seem to work. What the fuck, Luke? I, I have to say, it's a rare occasion these days that I 100% agree with Daddy Dana in his post-fight assessment. This is not one of those times. I am absolutely in 100% agreement with Dana on what he was saying Saturday in the post-fight press conference. I think it's time for Luke to hang it the fuck up. The way that Dana put it, I couldn't have possibly phrased it more, and I literally almost spit beer out of my fucking nose when he said it in real time. But the fact that Luke is doing way better in his other career than he is in the UFC shows that he doesn't need fighting. And the fact that he got put out the way he did by my favorite giant Polish wrecking machine 
shows that he's clearly lost at least a step or two. And in this fucking game, in this day and age, if you lose a half a step, that happens to you. And you kiss canvas and not in the fun way. And I agree with Dana 100% here. I think realistically, Luke needs to hang it up because all the shit that he talked wasn't even remotely backed up. His fucking takedown attempts were weak. His striking was fucking pathetic. And his defense was laughable. He ended up asleep for a fucking reason. So I think this is a beautiful situation where the broken jaw that Jan Blahovich delivered to him on Saturday night was a bright and shining fucking message that Dana just put the icing on that cake for him. I think it's time for Luke to put his fucking gloves down and walk away. You know, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that's exactly right. And there's also another little thing that I would like to chirp in here because... Absolutely. When I looked at this, Luke didn't ever really... When he was going through his solid run up to winning the title and all of that, he never looked past opponents. No, not no, at all. That was always his focus, and he made a point to mention that every time, too. Yeah. He focused on the next fight. Then he got to um, this wonderful stage of short notice Michael Bisping. This is where this whole ball of yarn became unraveled, and he started looking past people. And that's where this fucking train wreck started to derail. You got put out by the count. Look, Michael Bisping, not the greatest known knockout artist. I'll be goddamned if he didn't put your ass to sleep. I'm just saying. Then you go and, well, I'm going to move to heavyweight. Uh, oh, or light heavyweight, excuse me. You're jumping up 20 pounds on guys that hit way fucking harder. Way fucking harder. You're, that's like, look, let's just put it in these terms. That's going from being bitten by a puppy to a full-grown Rottweiler. That's a whole different fucking ball of wax when you're jumping up that 20 pounds. Because, yeah, that light heavyweight, that 205, that's what they have to make. By the time they're ready to walk back in and fight, those guys are pushing 225 to 240, depending on the fucking person. Yep. I'm saying, dude, you, in this case here, looking past, you let your alligator mouth overload your canary ass, although it looked more like you had a canary jaw than an alligator's job because um, I'm just I'm pretty sure um, the only thing you were seeing when you went down was Tweety Bird. The only thing that would have made that night much better was had that head kick that landed in the first round knocked your ass out because then that little foot comment would have been even more funny. Oh, yeah. But it's definitely time to hang them up because you know what? You're obviously looking past opponents. You thought going up a weight class, having an easier weight cut would make it. Look, don't get me wrong. I liked your idea of trying to have an easier weight cut and not put your body through all the stress. Yep. I am all for all fighters doing that. However, when you're looking past somebody who is at the time ranked number six, with that fucking knockout, he just got to fucking boost up the rankings because you're still a name. You're still a solid name. People know you're a one-time champion. You know, you got knocked out by the count. Mm-hmm. Nothing against Bisbing here at all. I love Bisbing as a fighter as a whole. He had a fantastic career. But that was definitely not the way I saw that fight going. But that's what you get when you look past people. So it, maybe it's time you hang them up because you don't know how to focus on the fight in front of you. You're looking beyond them. And talking shit about people's foot size? 
the fuck does that have to do with your glass jaw? Right. I mean, um, the only person I can think of is you're starting to remind me of Glass Joe. Talk shit. Kiss canvas. I mean, you literally made out with the canvas and you didn't even get dinner beforehand. That's all I'm saying. But little feet, man, uh, you know, maybe that's what I'm going to call him. A little foot Blahovich from now on. Right. No shit. Yeah, he embraced it in the post-fight press conference. He's like, my little feet seem to do perfectly well when I knocked him out. Dude, that, that was fantastic. That whole time, everybody, look, I had 10 people at my house watching the fights with me that night. Everybody's wondering, why the fuck are you rooting for the pull-off? I'm like, because I can't stand fucking people who look through fighters. It doesn't matter who you are. I can be your biggest fan, but if you look past somebody, I lose a lot of fucking respect for you because you have to focus on the task at hand. Yeah. Those guys that do that, the respect my loss of respect for them goes out the window. I, I liked Rockhold prior to him being a dumb fuck. Go ahead and talk your stupid shit, but don't look past the fight in front of you. When you started doing that, that's where you fucking derailed. Maybe that's it. Maybe you can come back, um, get a soup can or something like that, so you learn to focus on a soup can first, and then work yourself back up. But with um, Glass Jaw, you probably should retire, because that jaw after being broken, I hate to say it, look, there's there's a couple of fighters I've seen that get broken jaws. They don't ever come back the same. And I hate to say that because there's a big fighter, both myself and Meter love very dearly, Mr. Lee McGeary. Just got his jaw broken. I don't want to see him go fight again. I mean, I do because I, I like watching a man fight, but that jaw is never the same after that. It doesn't matter who you are. It's, yeah, it's the ultimate question is can you come back from a broken jaw, especially in a situation like this where your chin wasn't that great to begin with and now you just got your whole jaw fucking broken. Uh, I'm just hoping he likes fucking eating through his jaw for a couple weeks. And oh, yeah. Maybe well, he'll focus on that and learn to focus on something. Right. Well, and speaking of Liam, uh, if you look at Liam's social media for the last couple weeks since his fight with Phil Davis when he got his jaw broken and a tooth cracked in his mouth, he has literally been eating nothing but a liquid diet. And he talks about how much of a pain in the ass it is to watch people eat food. And then in order for him to even attempt to try and eat it, you've got to fucking blenderize everything down to a fucking liquid paste, literally. So he's got time to think now. Hopefully the thinking that he does is, is about hanging him up. Yeah. And look, nothing against man. I love watching him fight. He looked like he was on the title run. It really did look that way. Yeah. Well, and, and to one of the points that, that you were making there, the cut to 185 that Luke was making, think about what he did at 185, not only just in the UFC, but he was the fucking strike force champion for a fucking reason. Luke Rockhold was a legitimate problem for everyone for a long fucking time at 185 pounds. And then you think about this, he was moving up from 185 previously where he held both the strike force and the UFC belts at one point in time prior to the Bisbing incident. He's moving up to 205. And when they talked to him at the beginning of fight week, and he was doing his press at the beginning of fight week, and someone asked him how his weight cut was doing to paraphrase what he said was, we've already started. We're way into the weight cut already. I'm coming into fight week about 220, which is a little heavier than where I wanted to be, 
but way lighter than where I was a couple weeks ago. So Luke Rockhold was cutting from what essentially would be a no weight cut 265-ish heavyweight status all the fucking way down to 185 and competed well enough to be able to take the belt in two different organizations. Yep. Fighting that long with that drastic of a cut on your fucking body might well explain why his chin started to fucking deteriorate, but at the point where he made the change to 205, it was clearly just too fucking little, too fucking late. So at this point, go back to modeling, keep your pretty boy status, and stop getting your fucking jaw wrecked, is what I say. Yep. Maybe you learn to stop looking past people and keep your fucking mouth shut about people's little feet. Right? But maybe next time it'll be a head kick that puts you away if you come back. (laughs) If there's a second chance at that. But moving on from Luke's dumbass, this one is... I'm I'm both happy to hear it and then sad to hear how it how it like became instantly a thing. John Lineker, a little over a week ago, was released from the UFC, which wasn't necessarily a surprise to most. A lot of us hardcore fans were hoping that this was going to lead to a situation where maybe we get one of the heaviest punching little dudes known an MMA right now, an opportunity to perhaps follow the goat himself over to some bare knuckle action and put those hands of stone to work in a little man fighting that they call BKFC. Such was not the case because we found out, I think it was two days later, that John Lineker was immediately upon release from UFC, offered a contract and took it and is now signed and getting ready to start fighting for one FC. Not mad at that at all. He wants to keep going with full MMA. One FC snatched him right the fuck up and apparently gave him a very nice contract to do so. Good on you. Now where it gets cringy is that his initial statement that he released telling everyone that he has signed with UFC, he did like a little mini presser kind of thing. And he said, now we get the chance to see if I really am the best of all time. I'm here to beat DJ since he ran away from me in the UFC. What? What the? F- did, did he just do math that was like two plus two equals 10? This Exactly. This is one of those situations where I don't give a fuck if you got the answer that's acceptable. I want you to show your fucking work. How the hell did you jump to this fucking conclusion? Because for the record, all of this fucking ridiculous bullshit aside, I do feel that a Lineker versus DJ matchup would be very fucking interesting because John does have serious fucking hands and DJ has had some situations in the past where he's been rocked by big fucking punches. And if Lineker got one of those on him, it could get real interesting, real fucking fast. Lineker's also got decent wrestling defense, which would make that aspect of it very interesting as well. But when it comes to the super fight that everyone wants to see, 
no, 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 no. When it comes to DJ was ducking me in the UFC, no, 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 no. I like John Lineker. I like his style, but I've said it plenty of times. He is an inconsistent fucking fighter, and when he even is on his best, he's not on DJ's level. Very, very, very few, if any, are on DJ's level. But in this situation, I think DJ on a bad day would have a a walkthrough with John Lineker, save for the exception of one of those hands of stone haymakers catching him square on the butt. But like, do you, John, don't fucking make this about DJ because DJ's not getting easy fights over there to begin with and you're not on his level. So if you think about this, do that same kind of MMA math that you were trying to fucking do, you're going to get washed right the fuck out of one FC real quick because guys that are way better than you are giving DJ a hard time and getting beat still. So those are the guys that are coming at you guys that are legitimately giving Demetrius a real problem over there. I don't think this is going to go for Mr. Lineker the way that he thinks it's going to go. But as we've said many times, you can't bank on MMA math. So I will absolutely sit back with everyone else here and watch to see how this unfolds. But. You know, the other side to that is he's got to string some wins together. When's the last time he strung the wins together? And that's what I want to know. That goes along with that. He's hot and fucking cold. To be honest, here are my. Let me, um, before I say this, if you are a woman going through this currently, I mean no offense, but he's like a fucking woman on menopause. Doesn't know whether she's fucking hot or cold. It's every fucking other fight, and sometimes it's not every other fight. He's, he hasn't put consistent enough work out there to show that he's even worthy of a shot against DJ still. I don't care if you're in fucking 1FC or, um... PFL for that matter. Uh, just to be honest, right now, I, I enjoy watching PFL, even though um they're fucking. Uh, to be honest, right now they're bottom of the barrel. Yeah, no, they they are, and that's actually they're on right now. That's actually one of the reasons I wasn't worried about doing this broadcast tonight is that PFL is on tonight, and this show and that show will probably get about the same number of live viewers. So, yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Although I will say I have been enjoying watching Sarah Kaufman do work over there. I absolutely, absolutely. Especially that fucking arm triangle. But that's neither here nor there. We're talking about Hans Stone and how inconsistent that cocksucker is. <laughs> He's about as inconsistent as PFL's fucking ratings. We'll leave it like that. There you go. Now the interesting thing about that analogy is is Lineker is now with a new promotion, and so is PFL. Lineker is now with 1FC, and the PFL is now on ESPN and ESPN Plus to theoretically get the same amount or the same type of push that the UFC is getting. So now we have an opportunity to see if either one of them can rise to the occasion that they have both been presented. Going to be an interesting ride, to to say the least. So the next little tidbit I want to take a moment to mention here... um, I don't understand really how or why, but this week it was announced that the Popeye's boy himself, DC, got nominated for and then subsequently won the SB for the best MMA fighter of the year. And in doing his 
post-award interviews, if you will, uh, talking about the award, talking about his future and blah, 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 his you know, potential still upcoming retirement that he's pushed back. One of the things that he made a very big point to talk about in a decent little bit of conversation is that not only is he not retiring yet because he had thrown rumors out that after the Stipe fight, regardless of the outcome, he was going to hang him up. That whole nonsense is out the window again now. He's fully back in. He's invested in the UFC, and he's here for a while, he says. And not only that, but the John Jones trilogy is no longer off the table. He says now it is probably almost inevitable, and he welcomes it. Now, whether this means he's actually going to try and cut his chubby ass back down to 205 like he said he was going to, or if we see John finally take the fucking plunge and stop cutting himself down to 205 and move up to heavyweight, where I feel that he will do much better and probably reign until he retires. We will have to wait and see. But either way, it's, I think at this point, it's gone the way of the McGregor-Diaz trilogy in that initially it sounded great but as time's gone on and both of them have moved on with their subsequent careers it's just not really that entertaining of a fight to to think about anymore both with Nate and Connor and with John and DC I think at this point they've both become such different fighters and we've already seen how they they fight against each other that I just don't think it's going to be as great as either one of the first two matchups were and it's kind of starting to feel forced now. It's not the organic fight that everybody wanted to see, the buildup that everybody had going for it. And I don't know, man. It's it's kind of got a weird taste in my mouth right now. The only thing I can say to that is that I don't think that it's, it's not for what the fans want. It's not for what the EOC wants. That's for what DC wants, because he wants that one back. Yeah. But... I'm going to go ahead and say this. Let's just say we nix that middle fight because that's when John popped off. We'll nix that one off. We'll just think about this as just a a second follow-up fight. I get where DC's coming from. Okay, yes, back on the table. I see John's been clean, doing the right things, keeping his ass out of hot water. So, of course, he wants it back because you want to expunge that one loss on your record because that's what that is. You fucking got handled. And you got handled in a bad way. Now you think because you've moved up a weight class and you've uh, fought fucking who after um, Milkis? Look, you put away a guy who was not ready to fight a fucking heavyweight fight. He even said, good job. What did he fucking do? But you haven't fought anybody who was ready to fight that heavyweight title fight. Let Francis and Ganu get your ass. Ten bucks says he makes your fucking soul leave your body. Yep. I'm just saying. It's no wonder he wants this fight because he thinks he thinks that he's going to beat me up. And I'm glad he thinks that way because I want to see him fight hard. I enjoy watching fighters fight hard as much as I am not a fan of DC. Don't get me wrong, he is a fantastic fucking coach. I, there, that is one thing I will give the man. At, after watching fucking, uh, watching him coach, he, that's, to be honest, if he hangs them up and says he's going to go start coaching 
or create his own gym, dude, if I was a fighter, I would go there because he's I, a phenomenal I'm coach. Sure they, I'm pretty sure they'd pick him up as a wrestling coach to AKA, though. Yeah, it doesn't even matter where he goes. The dude's going to be a phenomenal coach. Do you want him as an MMA coach? Yeah, I would gladly let him coach me if I was going to be fighting. Absolutely. Because he cares about the fighters, and he does phenomenal. But back to where this is at, I think the only reason that there really is any any yearning for that fight and the reason why he's pushed that off is because that's been sitting in his brain. That's been sitting there going, you know what? I'm doing well. I I need to get this back at some point. Not to mention um, this this part of it um, really bugs the piss out of me. Why would you even get the opportunity to say that when you relinquished you you relinquished the light heavyweight title before they took it for me? Hell no! I would have held on to that motherfucker and said, you know what? Fuck it. I'll come down and I will fight him again for that motherfucker. Right, take that shit kicking and screaming from me if you have to. That shit is mine. I earned it. Uh, I earned it. Don't get me wrong. He did have a good run at light heavyweight while John was away. Yep, you can't take that away from them. He did a fantastic job of defending it and defending it all the way until John came back. Yep, and then he ran away. Then he just gave it up and just scurried his little ass off to the heavyweight division. Yep. Can't can't say I blame him. I'd be scared of John Jones too. Although. Santos fight this week, and I'd be pretty goddamn scared of Santos. Um, I'm telling you, and I, I agree completely. And I tell you what, that Santos fight itself, aside from giving me an entire new respect, I already liked Santos going into this fight, and I told everybody that fucking was telling me I was delusional about it to keep an eye on Santos because that motherfucker had more skills, more toughness, and more heart than people were giving him credit for. But not only did it give me a whole new respect for him and seeing what he did on that fucking knee, knowing that he tore three fucking ligaments plus in that and kept fighting and throwing that fucking leg. But honestly, it got me off the Jones train. The way that he acted in that fight is another reason why I have literally little to no interest in seeing a Jones DC3. Jones, at least at light heavyweight right now, seems to have set the cruise control. And that's not what I want to see a fucking champion do. That's one of the reasons nobody likes Usman is because of that fucking 33% comment. Like, well, and here's, here's the other, the worst part of that is, is watching, look, I watched all five rounds of that fucking fight in crystal clear HD. So I've seen everything. I've seen the fucking size of goddamn Jones' leg go from this big to this fucking big from getting beat the fuck up. I saw Santos fucking me keep buckling because he tore that shit in the second. And he fought through it for three more fucking rounds. And he fought through it like a champ. To be honest, those judges could have gave him that fucking fight. One of them did. Yeah, absolutely. Guess what? To watch Jones afterwards say, you know what? I beat him at his own game. No, you did not. Look, I, I love Jones. I really do love his fighting style, but he's, to be honest, he had an interview a couple months back that I remember watching where he said, I'm not that same 20-year-old kid who just fucking does, says whatever. I'm training harder. I'm training smarter. No, you're fucking not. You might have trained harder. You might have trained smarter, but you didn't implement the game plan. 
You know how I know you didn't implement the game plan? You could have taken that motherfucker down and wrecked him. But you did not. You wanted to see if you could stand and trade with him. Yeah, you could stand and trade, and I can see you're very good at rolling punches. You were ducking a lot of fucking heavy hands at the fucking KO draft. And he got clipped a couple times. He did. He got wobbled a couple times. Yeah, he did. And I'm like, you didn't beat him. You didn't beat him on the feet. To be honest, if I was a judge, I would have called that something. Santos would have won that fucking title. Because, to be honest, the way that I saw that fight, Jones lost. Yep. He, but this goes with that whole mantra to be the champion, you have to beat the champion. I agree. Unfortunately, with Santos getting injured, he wasn't able to go the 110% that he could have. And I know that, but the show he put on with what he had, there should have been no question in any one of those judges' mind that that title strap should have went around his waist and taught Jones a lesson about putting himself on cruise control or trying to dictate a fight in somebody else's fucking perfection area. No, dude. Do your thing, man. Go out there and finish people. You're the fucking champ. You want to keep that strap? Finish it. That whole final, why the fuck do I want to watch you um, fight DC now? Because you're just going to go out there and go on cruise control with DC? No. Fuck that shit. Look, I know both of you two cockfuckers have grown up. You're both past that whole talking shit about each other. Well, I'll, I'll even give DC this one. When he is, when he calls a Jones fight, because he's called a couple of them, he has nothing but nice things to say about the way the man fights. And when even watch, listen to Jones when he talks about the way DC fights. If they're not actively fighting each other, same thing. They're very respectful to each other when they're not in the same room. Look, I don't want to see it because you're not training hard enough like you want to win. And DC, you just wanted to get that fucking, that little smudge on the record out of there. The smudge is never going to go away. Sorry, DC. It's there forever. That's how it works. They don't just wipe those off, even though Dana White tries to get them wiped off of other people's records. Although, you know what? That one, I will wholeheartedly agree with, because that's whole club, the six elbow shit. Fucking bullshit. And he didn't even get a warning for it. Look, I love, I love... Matt Hamill, I love the way um, the fucking Hammer did it, especially being a death fighter. You can't hear your fucking corner. That dude was fucking phenomenal. He couldn't get coaching. He could only get coaching when he was in the gym. But uh, the 12 to 6 on ball, they should at least give him a warning, not just fucking call the fight there. I'm just calling bullshit on that one. So I can see where he came from. But still, the fact is, that's a loss. doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't go away. I don't care if they expunge it from your record or not. I'm going to remember that you have a loss on your record. Yeah. It doesn't matter if um, you beat Jones in a rematch. Fact is, that loss is still there. I'm going to remember it happened. I'm going to remember the second one happened, even though I pretend that it didn't because Jones popped hot. And to be honest, anybody who pops hot, those fights shouldn't count at all. I agree. So I'm just saying, that whole between the two of them and the idea of them having a rematch, there's no there's no reason for it. Uh, it I mean, not from m- my type of fan point of view. The only way I want to see that rematch is if Jones decides he wants to go up to light heavyweight 
and try to win two straps. Yeah. That's the only way that that makes any sense. Other than that, that fight does not make any fucking sense at all. But before he does that, I expect him to go out, defend his title one more time at light heavyweight, and definitively execute whoever is in the fucking octagon with him. Like, put their ass to sleep, fucking choke them out standing up, ground and tone the piss out of them. Show me something definitive. Don't go, oh, well, I just wanted to fight in his realm and see if I could do that. Fuck off, you did. I lost a lot of respect when I heard those comments after him because he did not definitively beat me. Yep, none. That just tells me, look, dude, whatever you're smoking, I don't want any part of that because that's making you see some funny shit. Yep. I mean, unless I'm in that kind of party mood, but I'm just saying. Definitely not something I want on my fucking salad. <laughs> well, and and speaking of fights that no one wants to see a third one of that brings us directly to the next thing that i wanted to talk about one of the very few lulls in last weekend's ufc 239 was the claudia gadalia fight that went pathetically to a decision that she as well came out and said that she felt she dominated in and she you know easily outclassed her opponent and then turned around and said that she wants to fight Joanna Jacek again for a third fight because she thinks she can beat her now. One, you barely got a decision win against someone who is not on Joanna's level at all. Two, Joanna is not on previous Joanna's level anymore. So that seems a lot to me like Claudia is trying to kick a bitch while she's down, which, hey, that's part of the game. I get it, but you can't make that out to be a big deal when we've all seen the fucking snowball mountainside roll that Joanna has been on coming down from grace of her fucking championship status. But to come off of such a, a poor performance leading to a decision victory and then to boast again, just like we were talking about what fucking John did, like, shh, stay in your lane, sweetheart. Stay in your fucking lane because you're getting too big for your damn britches. JJ beat the fucking brakes off of you twice. And even on her bad days, I think she could do it a fucking third time. But nobody wants to fucking see that. That's another one of those matches that the first two showed us everything we needed to fucking see. And your body of work since then hasn't changed anyone's fucking mind but your own. So, let it go. I'm not even going to touch on that one. Right? But speaking of, of let it go... I will say this. I was happy to hear news this week that a lot of people kind of got confused by because it was sort of mentioned previously, but it wasn't officially mentioned previously. And then it was confirmed to be official by citing the previous unofficial mention of itself. Uh, What I'm talking about here is the official retirement, not just from the UFC, but from full martial arts, combat sports, MMA altogether of Chad Money Mendez ironically announced the day before the four-year anniversary where he lost to Conor McGregor for the interim championship that led to Conor's rise up to gold. But 
at the same time, this is one of those situations that we talk about all the fucking time where I would rather see a guy who realizes that he's not going to get back to the top of the mountain. He's still cognizant, excuse me, cognizant. He's still coherent. He can still speak fluently. He's still physically able to do everything he wants to do. Hang him the fuck up. Don't go to Bellator. Don't go to fucking one. Don't go to BKFC. Open a gym because you are legitimately one of the greatest wrestlers and grapplers that the UFC had the pleasure of hosting. Open yourself a gym. Teach some shit. Make some money. Stop getting punched in the face for a fucking living. Good on you. Follow the fucking example, young men. When you get to the point where you're not going to get back, don't destroy your body and your legacy in an attempt to give one more futile effort. Take some grace. Take some dignity. Transition to a new career. Contrary to what Dana tries to tell people, there are very, very, very many options for fighters post-combat, post-career combat. Chael Sonnen is a perfect example of that. He did the exact same thing. He retired on a high note when he realized that he was just not going to make it back to gold status, but is still physically capable of competing, as we saw but he's got so many different avenues that he has not got anything to worry about. And I think Chad is going to be in that exact same boat. I, I do think it is a little ironic around the timing of his, you know, most notorious loss, if you will. But uh, good on you, Chad. Hats off. You were a fucking hell of a fighter. I was always a goddamn fan. But we're going to move on from the Chad phase. And then, Thank God, that he's doing that. That's one of those ones. When, when it comes to stuff like that, that I always want to touch on when we're talking about those guys retiring. Because you know what? Yep. We've seen some of them that are waiting entirely too long, and some of them that will probably not take the hint. Uh, Luke Rockhold, because I'm guessing he's dumb enough to go in there and fight again. But um, right. But Mendez had a fantastic career. He's been a title challenger on more than one occasion. Yep, in more than one organization as well. Yep. And to be honest, I, I'm a little bit bummed that he never did get that strap in the UFC because there's quite a few times where I thought he honestly deserved it. He worked that up, but pre McGregor, you know what? Regardless of that, that oh, no, is, no, no, I'm just saying pre the McGregor fight, he definitely had more than one occasion where he looked perfectly fucking capable and definitely able to well, go the strap before they put uh, it I, I will say this had he have had a full camp to train for McGregor he probably would have beat McGregor in that. It, it would have been a very different fight that's for yeah Dan. that would have been a different fight he wouldn't have gassed and all of that but no, here, here nonetheless not to talk about that fight it is kind of funny how you did um nice play on words with the notorious there that was well done sir <laughs> uh, tip of the cap to you uh, but no it's awesome to see another one of those guys going out on their terms well, they're still with it and not being punch drunk. Um, I'll uh, screening into fucking some pro boxers that I've seen that in the fucking wheelchair bound and shit like that. So, like fucking shook this weekend in the basketball game. Oh yeah, I watched him get his ankles broken. Right. That fucking Ray Rod video that he made of that shit too. <laughs> he he kind of went down like fucking Askren did. <laughs> fucking planked right over, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's good to see Mendez going out like that. And I wish him all the best. I really hope he does go and pick up a coaching job or open a fucking gym because he was an excellent grappler and he could teach a lot of up-and-coming fighters um, 
that thing or two. Right. Damn Dude, right. Even if you go fucking work as do the fucking Gray Maynard thing. Go work at one of the performance yeah, institutes. Right. How, 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 how much do you like China? Go to right. fucking China. They've got a no, no look at Mexico City and Puerto Rico too. Yeah, there's got a couple places that are opening up. They're going to need coaches there. And I'm sure they're paying good money for these retired fighters. So otherwise, they wouldn't fucking be doing it. Because a lot of them could get coaching jobs at fucking American top team, fucking black civilians, wherever. So he's, he's got a good career going ahead of him. And I can see that. I really hope he sticks with his guns on this and does not come back. Not that I wouldn't like to watch him fight again, because I always enjoyed his fights, but um, for the betterment of himself and just for his health and well-being for however many years he has left um, with us, um, go do something productive with it, with the skills that you already have without getting beat up while doing it. Right. Well, and, and a perfect example here, uh, tailing right along to that story, the next thing I want to talk about Speaking of gentlemen who can't take a fucking hint about when to hang it up, it was announced yesterday that Tito Ortiz will be fighting the former WWE competitor Alberto Del Rio in Combat Americas coming up this fall. Now, not only is Tito quickly becoming the poster boy for, dude, stop it. Alberto Del Rio legitimately used to be an actual MMA combat fighter before his WWE career. The problem was he was never really that good, and Mirko Krokop fucking destroyed him in pride before he ever went over to the WWE. So we're talking about a dude who didn't have the greatest combat sports career to begin with, and then left combat sports to go to wrestling and hasn't actively trained or competed in combat sports in, I think, a decade and change-ish, and is now going to come back against, albeit a very broken and rebuilted grandpa-ish version of Tito, but still you saw in the embarrassment of a Chuck fight that he still clearly got some fucking power. He's laughably stiff and, you know, a shadow of his former self. But even at that, Tito Ortiz at any fucking level, if he catches you, still has one of the greatest puncher's chances that has ever been fucking given. But the fact that he's going to do this against a fucking dude like Alberto Del Rio, and it's gone so far that, it's going to be on a Combat Sports America card, not even anything really reputable that's, you know, worth talking about. Dude, both of you, put your fucking pride aside and don't end up like Muhammad Ali or Ramblin' Chuck from the last fucking fight. Hang them the fuck up. Nobody wants to see these fucking legends literally destroy their legacy and their body in a last attempt for fucking fame. All of the gentlemen that we're talking about are fucking legitimate in their own rights. And I don't know if there's money problems that just aren't being addressed publicly or if the ego really is so fucking fragile in some of these dudes that they can't not be competing in some form. But it hurts as a fan to see shit like this because I remember Tito in his fucking prime just being absolutely terrifying anytime he got in the ring against 
anyone. And literally, as soon as I saw this, there was no excitement in my mind. There was no, ooh, this could be a good fight. I instantly and literally the moment I read that felt genuinely sad. You should never feel sad about a guy that used to be one of your favorites getting a fight announcement. That's a pretty fucking good indication that your time has passed. And I know I'm being really critical here, but it's not just me. Look on Instagram, look on Twitter, look on the forums, look on their fucking social media pages for Tito. This is not something people genuinely want to see. We have reached that point where how do we get a fighter to stop who doesn't want to stop? He is literally destroying himself in front of us. For lack of a better analogy, we're going to get Tito Ortiz pulling a Jerry Garcia of MMA. He's going to grind himself to death in front of us, and it's not going to be fun to watch as it gets towards the tail end where we're clearly getting. But the question is, how the fuck do we force a guy like that to retire? And I don't have an answer for that. Intervention? <laughs> right? Do we get him in a fucking room with 12 guys he fought before sitting in a fucking circle telling him, Tito, we're here because we love you? No shit. Like, dude, you knocked me out, but uh, it's time. Fucking right? send it. Send it home. Look, there's the whole idea of at the tail end. This is well past the tail end, right? After that, fuck, after his last back surgery, he should have been done. Or the one before that. Or the one before that. Or the one before that. Look. He's, he's given his body, his mind, his fucking soul to this sport. We get it. Don't do it again. Albeit against a severely rusted soup can. Um, Shit. I'm just saying... Look, you're just trying to put your name in the headlines again. That, that, to, to me, that's all it is. You want to be, get your name in the headlines? Go get a fucking DUI down in fucking Bel Air or something. Okay. That'll show up all over TMZ. But don't take another fucking fight, dude. If you're having money problems, maybe you should have spent all that fucking money you made your entire career because God knows you made a lot. A little bit better. And even that situation, just like we were talking about with DC, Tito has the fucking wrestling and grappling resume that he could go to any one of these fucking major gyms if he announced that he was done competing and anybody would be dumb to not take him on as a fucking coach. Look yep. at his resume. I hate I'm the same. Anybody would take that angry little Q-tip as a fucking... Fuck yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, it's into that point where what's the best analogy that I can think to put this in? He is to the point of let's look at this like a garden. He started out as a wee little seed at one point. Throughout his career, he flourished, he blossomed. He had a few setbacks in there where maybe the sun didn't shine as bright that day, so his leaves wilted up. But then he came back and he fought some more. And he perked up. He produced some fucking fruit or fucking peppers or something with a little hotness in there. Now he's to that point where it's getting fall. And the first snowfall has already come. That plant does not survive. It's time for him to take 
go put himself in a greenhouse somewhere where he's safe from the elements and continue to survive in the state that he's in. The rate he's going, he's going to end up being fucking wheelchair bound. In the next couple of years. At this yeah, point. like within the next five, ten years. I would not be surprised to see TMZ doing a piece of saying um, he's a fucking paraplegic from all this stuff that he's done. Look, dude, it's fantastic what you've done this for, what you've given this for, but giving away your mobility because you're too thick-headed, I'll say you're too fucking dumb to hang him up. <laughs> I, I, I love Tito and everything. He stood for everything he did. I loved his fuck you mentality that he had early because he was one of those first guys that really just fuck everybody. He, he was one of those guys early in the sport that had that kind of mentality. Yes. <laughs> Look, right now, that dude can't do that on his own. He needs a fucking backhoe. Yeah. I'm just saying. It's time to hang him up, dude. Please, after um, what I'm going to call a circus sideshow takes place here. Please go and take those gloves off, set them down in the middle of whatever bumfuck nowhere shit ring that this fight is taking place in. And call it, dude. Do yourself a favor. Do all of us who are a fan of yours a favor. Set them up. We don't want to see you end up all fucked up. Go do something instructive with what you have. Right. Don't fuck it up for everybody else. That's all I'm saying. And try to lead by example. Um, go follow Mendes. Right. I'm just saying, you two fucking put together to make a hell of a fucking team of coaches. Yeah, ain't that the fucking truth? That'd be a terrifying fucking pair to see in somebody's corner across the octagon from you. Oh, yeah. A scrappy little restaurant, just a ox strong diesel fucking. Yeah, no neck having motherfucker. <laughs> saying do, do, do the right thing man that's all i'm asking well and going from a guy who is still fucking at it and can't hang him up to a guy who's not quite there yet but definitely needs to start considering the possibility uh the other fight that announced where one of the other fights rather that was announced this week that I want to take time to mention because I'm absolutely going to watch. And I think anyone listening to this should as well. Cub Swanson versus the next wave of the takeover crone Gracie for octagon, or excuse me for octagon for October 10th card. That has some very interesting possibilities because Cub Swanson is another one of those guys that, He's been around for so fucking long. He's been in some great fucking highlight reel, legendary fucking battles. But at the same time, he's also had a lot of really badass weapons. And he's starting to get to that point where you need to start considering a secondary, you know, form of income because this isn't a game that you can play forever. This is a young man's sport. And Cub Swanson is not a young man anymore. And he's not putting out quite the performances that he used to. And now they're putting him up against the young man in Crone Gracie, who is a very, very dangerous prospect. And not just because of the fact of what his last name represents, but what he has shown in the octagon unto himself. He's not just a Gracie jiu-jitsu guy. That boy got hands, and they're fucking dangerous. And he doesn't have to just 
pull guard and take you to the ground and use that Gracie world caliber fucking jujitsu to choke you or tap you the fuck out. He can catch you with that three piece and a soda and put you to fucking sleep. Don't nobody want to go night night. That motherfucker can hurt you. He's dangerous. And Cub Swanson, I don't know if he's on a level enough to where he can handle this competition. I feel like this might be one of those situations where he's kind of fallen into that gatekeeper slash old guard situation. And the UFC's like, look, buddy, either you fight this prospect off or we're going to give you some fucking walking papers. Honestly, I can't really say that I would be mad if it happened that way, because as much as I love Cub, and I've been a fan of his for years as well. I think he's about to that point where it's time to start looking at the options to hang it up. And if you get in there against Crone and he puts the work on you, like I think he's going to be able to do, that might be the best chance you're going to get to still go out while you're still fairly relevant and you're still a popular fighter. Well, I hope. I couldn't have said that much better myself. Crone, look, Cub. I, I love Cub as a fighter. Everything he's done in the past, what's well, happened in his last couple fights, you can see a steady decline. It's not a steep decline, but it's steady in the way he fights. Cone Gracie, that dude's got hands. He's going to lay people out while they're thinking about how he's going to choke them. And to be honest, I think that's what's going to end up happening to. Um, it, it, this ought to be a changing of the guard type fight. And another one of those situations, dude, no one to lay him down. Like, I understand you still have the will to fight. Otherwise, you wouldn't sign contracts. Right. And you still go in there and you do put on shows still. I'll give you that. Albeit, they're nowhere near as good as what they used to be. Nowhere fucking you're not going to see that mountaintop again. I hate to say it. It is definitely time to say, you know what? Let it go. Let it go. Okay, set them down. Call it a day. You know, maybe this is what I should do. Maybe I should get myself into a point where I can get Tito, Cub, and Mendez in the same room. Say, hey. Let's get you guys to start a gym. Right? No shit. I'm just saying, the way we're looking at this thing, some of these guys, this would be a fucking, I, I got ideas now. Maybe maybe I need to start a, hey, do you guys need somebody to run your careers post-fighting? Uh, I, no. I might have some good fucking ideas here. Yeah, fuck taking super fights when you're past your prime. Open a super gym. Oh, fuck. shit. I'm how many of these fighters that we've we've all those of us that have been watching for a long time, a lot of these guys who've been fighting 10, 15, some of them 20-year careers, all retiring in around this time, this is like a glory, for me, this is my thought, this would be a glory age for all of those guys to go, you know what? Let's put a fucking just sick fucking gym together. Let's kill off American Top Team. Let's kill off the Black Zillion. There's enough fucking knowledge to take all of these guys out. Oh, Jackson Link, fuck those guys. We're going to take them off too. I'm just saying, with as much knowledge base as you have between a lot of these guys who are at their retirement age or 
should be retiring, even though some of them aren't. If you could talk them into something like that, do you know how many fucking fighters would pay to come to those gyms? Oh, yeah. I'm just saying, the, the wealth of knowledge that's there, the wealth of how to train correctly, how about injure yourself. Look at some of these guys who fought 15 years. They know how to train correctly. There's a reason why they've been able to fight that long. They've trained correctly. They haven't fucking beat up their bodies a lot. And yeah, guess what? A lot of them have trained at Jackson, AKA American Top Team. They've been at all of these fucking places. So they can pull little bits and pieces from here and there that they know and they know what's worked. So you put all that into one little tiny package. I'm just saying that's trouble. Maybe those guys should think about that. Maybe they just need to work on their uh, whole making friends notation. Uh, I'm just saying, get your little uh, Rolodex out. And for those of you who are too young, a Rolodex is an old thing where you kept your contacts in. You know, before cell phones. Yeah, it was before cell phones. Like, it, it was something you kept around when you had pagers, just so that way you knew their pager number and their <laughs> phone number in case you needed it. But yeah, I'm just saying, fantastic ideas here, guys. Um, pay attention. Maybe you just need to branch out. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. So a couple more things I want to talk about real quick here in the news segment. Uh, I've got a trio of fight announcements that I want to break down, or not break down, but uh, bring to you real quick, just to plant a little seed in your head of something that you're going to want to keep an eye out for upcoming. Um, the first Friday night, this upcoming Friday night, 1FC kickboxing not mma kickboxing uh giorgio petrosian one of the fucking living legends of kickboxing is going to be fighting all right now this one's gonna get fucked up and i'm gonna try this anyway petchamoricot petiendi academy think that's how it says his name that's how it phonetically looks anyway holy shit that's a mouthful those that fuck i'd i'd hate to be the guy to try and put those names on a fucking poster shit but uh that for the uninitiated is going to be a firework inducing kickboxing match that if you don't know who giorgio petrosian is that would be in my opinion a pretty good introduction match because he's he's one of those that he's not quite on the downslope yet. He's still kind of riding the plateau of his prime, but he's not going to be around in the comp in the competition world too much longer. I feel as well. He's one of those that's been in unbelievable highlight reel fucking matchups, wars that really help put you know kickboxing on the fucking map, in my opinion. So that is definitely something that I encourage everyone that is listening to this right now to go out and watch. Um, the next one I do want to take a moment to talk about real quick here. Um, there have been a pair of Bellator card fight announcements that I feel are worth mentioning so that everybody kind of save the date, if you will, notifications. Um, the first one is the September 28th card. Yesterday, they announced a double header that will take that card. The first matchup being the Pitbull versus Juan Archuleta for the featherweight belt which is a fucking spectacular matchup. The Pitbull brothers are two of my favorites over there. I've been big fans of theirs. And on the other side of that, 
Juan Archuleta is hotter than fucking lava right now. That dude has been dangerous for a long time, but God damn, if he is not on fucking fire right now. And I think realistically might be able to take one of those fucking belts from the Bellator double champ Pitbull brother. That's going to be something to keep your fucking eyes on. But then the co-main event for that fight, even fucking better in my opinion. And I'm, I, I say co-main event because I'm not sure how they're going to do it if they're going to make one the co and the other the main or one the main and the other the co, whichever. The other fight that's going to hold that fucking card down, Lyoto Machida versus Gegard Musasi 2, the fucking rematch. Those two gentlemen are a perfect example of guys, in my opinion, who were let go from the UFC before they truly hit their fucking prime. And I know Leota's a little bit of a controversial statement because he was in the UFC for a long fucking while. He touched the fucking gold. He helped set the fucking standard for badassery. But I feel like he had a slip and then was on his way back towards contention and the UFC just wasn't willing to play the game with him. If you look at what he's done since he's come over to Bellator, that young man is very much still an active and dangerous fucking fighter. And then you've got Gegard fucking Musasi. This man, for whatever reason, could not catch a fucking break that I felt he deserved in the UFC and has really truly had a chance to show how fucking dangerous he is since he's come under the Bellator fucking umbrella. This matchup is going to be fucking spectacular. These two gentlemen are going to go the fuck at it. And I think that no one who is a fan of MMA in general should miss that matchup particularly. Now... The last one that I do want to run down here quick before we get into the meat and potatoes, as it were, is for the card previous to the September 28th, the September 7th card. They have announced the main event for that fight, and it brings us right back to one of those conversations that we were having just a few minutes ago about guys who can't seem to understand when it's time to fucking hang them up despite him saying just a few months ago that that's exactly what he intended to do. And what I'm talking about here is Ryan Bader fighting Chuck Congo for the heavyweight belt. For the uninitiated, Chuck Congo is quite literally one of the pioneers of MMA. He was there in the founding days of building up Pride UFC, the original Strike Force WBC, the original basis for what is today combat sports and mixed martial arts. Chuck Congo was there, paving fucking foundation ways, smoothing driveways, making sure there was a path for fighters to walk. He came out of retirement to put on a fight for us not long ago that wasn't the worst but was a very good example of why he had retired in the first place. And then after that fight, he said, this was just a one-time deal. I'm, I'm not back. I'm just, you know, clearly I'm, I'm not going to be a current fighter. And then we get the announcement yesterday that not only is he coming back and being a current fighter, they're going to give him an immediate title shot against fucking Ryan Bader at heavyweight, who looks like he is on all of the supplements you can get from south of the border right now. I don't feel that this is a good idea for Chuck. I feel that he is another one of those that could easily walk into any top gym in this country and take himself a position to where he doesn't have to get punched in the fucking face again for a living. 
And at the same time, Ryan Bader right now is terrifying just in what he's doing to everyone. So why would you want to do that to yourself? You know, what I'm trying to find out is why the fuck would Chet Congo decide he is all of a sudden going to pull himself out of retirement? Look, you didn't look fucking miserable at the last fight. You really didn't. However, you are... Actually, let me back this whole fucking train up one more fucking stop, too. Why in the fuck does the promotion think that it's a good idea to throw you from playing with the Cubs into the fucking pit with the goddamn lions and full-grown tigers and bears. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, look, Czech Congo is definitely a pioneer. He was a fantastic knockout artist for a fantastically long time. However, um, the issue there is he never made a really good string that made it worthwhile. I, did he? I think he got a title shot one time. Yeah, if I remember correctly, there's no way he is anywhere near that same fighter he was then. And then to know that you're going to go in on somebody who's been taking um, the additional supplementations that may or may not be available to someone who is in a position to possibly increase their stamina, recovery, red blood cell count, um, you know, those types of things. And apparently paying off the right people to piss clean, but you know, I'm just saying it's out there. Dude, I check, I hope you got paid a lot of fucking money because with that lot of money, you're gonna have some hospital bills, dude. I hate to say it, this is not the right spot for you. I really wish you would not have taken this fight. In fact, the whole thought of you just taking this fight blows my mind because there's a point where when you retired, I was happy to see you retired because I was sick of watching you get your fucking ass handed to you. I was sick of watching you get knocked out. I'm not ready to go through and watch this shit again. Please let this be the last time. If you somehow miraculously off Ryan Bader. Okay. Take one more fight until you lose the title. Which would probably be an immediate title rematch with Bader where you'll then lose. But, dude, hang on the fuck up, man. Do, do us all a favor. Look. Anybody who's watched MMA for any length of time sees it with each and every fighter who decides I'm going to retire and then I'm not going to retire. Most of those people who come out of retirement don't look well because they've been out of the ring for too long. They have ring rust. Look, I know you had a fight recently, so the ring rust is gone. I get that. But I, I'm not disappointing you so much as I am fucking Bellator. What the fuck, dude? Why would, why would you do this to somebody? 
you're literally signing this man's death warrant for no fucking reason. I hope they paid him a lot of fucking money to take this fight. And to be honest, it's probably not as much as it should be. In fact, I would guarantee that. Yeah, I'm quite certain of that as well. But I really, I really hope this is honestly the last fight he ever takes. If he wins, somehow, miraculously, because he still, he still got the power. You can see it. So there is a very good possibility. Well, there is, I won't say a very good possibility, but there is, okay, yes, I will say it that way. There's a very good possibility that if he connects, Bader could go night-night. Yes. Chances of that happening. I'm saying a uh, flood in the middle of Sahara Desert in the middle of summer. Probably a fucking hell. So, check if you're listening or if you somehow see this, please retire. Do us a favor. I loved your body of work that you had throughout your career. It was fantastic. It's time to say goodbye, dude. Just, just call it a day. I don't want to see you get your ass whipped no more. I'm done. I, I'm fucking, I'm throwing up the, the I quit flag. And I also, in case you weren't paying attention earlier, I did throw up the bullshit flag on you for saying this is a one and done fight because uh, apparently you're having some money trouble, dude. If that's the case, go hook yourself out or something at a, at a fucking local gym as a, get people to pay you for fucking for appearance fees and shit like that, dude. Whatever the case may be, go find something else other than getting beat up by, oh, I'm gonna say it. Roided out motherfuckers. Allegedly. Um, You know, that's my thoughts on that. Check. I hope you don't get fucking murdered. And hopefully your doctor bills aren't too much that it doesn't eat away everything that you're paying me for. I think the only way I'm okay with this fight is that they're looking at this from, from what I can tell anyways. This is all unofficial, of course is that they're looking at this as a Bellator equivalency, and it's not, but that they're looking at it as a Bellator equivalency of the return of GSP, where they're going to bring back a former great. He's going to come in. He's going to upset the current champ. He's going to take the belt. He's going to retire with it and then relinquish it so that they can cycle it back into the pool. If that's the case, I understand it. And like you said earlier, I hope that if that's the case, that they're taking very, very good financial care of check for this. I don't, however, feel like that's going to actually be the case. If it is, I'm okay with it on that, you know, contingent ground. But we're, we're going to have to watch and find out. That, though, will bring us to the meat and potatoes of this particular episode. The reason we're doing this particular live stream right home, we're talking about the one and only upcoming UFC Sacramento event this weekend. Now, the cards that we've had so far in 2019 have not all been the best by any stretch of the imagination. But in my opinion, in comparison we've gotten a little spoiled because it feels like most of the cards we've had up until this point have for the most part been full of predominant fights, full of relevant fights, full of, you know, drastically division altering fights. 
And then we get Sacramento, where it kind of feels like the UFC really just threw together a haphazard card at the excuse of Uriah Faber coming out of retirement, which we'll touch more on in just a little bit, I promise you. But there are, to be fair, a couple of very, very interesting fights on this card, and and we're going to get right down into them here. This is one of those where, again, I'm, I'm not going to go over every fight because there's some fluff. There's some filler here. I will say this about the opening fight. Benito Lopez versus Vince Morales has potential to be very big fireworks because these guys are both up-and-coming prospects. They're both little guys. They're both real wiry. But... It also has a lot of potential to be another one of those stereotypical, they put this fight in the beginning of the card because they know that nobody's going to be in their seat for the first 20, 25 minutes, and no one's going to be mad other than these guys' friends and crew. Um, No disrespect to either gentleman here. Again, it's one of those situations, like we say all the time, you're in the UFC for a fucking reason. You're not here because you're just an average guy. You're young. You're a prospect. You're here because you earned your way here. You're just not quite at that level yet, which is why I feel they're going to open the show with them. So props to both of those gentlemen for getting here. I think it's going to be an interesting fight, but we're going to jump a couple down the ranks past those gentlemen. We are going to start in the prelims, but the first one that I want to talk about tonight here is a very interesting matchup, both stylistically and on paper. Now I'm talking about Darren the Damage Elkins versus Ryan Hall. Now, this is one of those matchups that neither name may particularly be a household everyday common thing, but to the hardcore fans like myself and TJ here, like a lot of people that are going to be watching this card because it's a regular fight night event, this is going to be one of the more anticipated matches on the card, I feel. They don't call Darren Elkins damage because he's light with his hands. On the other side of that coin, Ryan Hall is quite literally one of the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners, particularly in the leg lock department that's walking on this planet right now. Um, don't let the fight against BJ Penn fool you. That was an atrocity unto itself. If you need to look into Ryan Hall, look a little bit further back than that particular piece of work because the gentleman legitimately does have some unbelievable highlight reel moments and some legit skill. But the same can be said if you look across the octagon from him to damage Darren Elkins. That gentleman, while he may not always come out on top and it might not be the prettiest when he does win sometimes, that motherfucker comes out to the octagon to put on a fucking show and give you 110% every time he does. I think in this particular situation, dangerous as Ryan Hall is, and I'm telling you right now, that man is fucking dangerous. He might not be the most exciting, but he's fucking dangerous. I think the win here comes via damage. I think Darren Elkins is going to know that his legs are in danger and he's not going to be dumb enough to feed him to feed himself rather to Ryan Hall. I think he's going to be watching for what we're all going to be watching for, which is either an Imanari role or just a straight guard pole. And then I think Darren Elkins is going to come from the top with some serious fucking hammer. And I think this is going to be a win via damage. Dude, 
Yanaka arc, the wizard has some fucking wizardly ways about getting fucking leg locks. Yes. And just whether whether it's fucking Ariel, fucking guard, fucking scrambles, he's he's got some. He's definitely got some legendary jujitsu going on there. And he's still young into his fight career. He's only got fucking eight pro fights. <laughs> but do even if if you guys can go back and find them, you can go and find his fucking amateur fights because a lot of them were recorded. He was doing that shit to amateurs, and I feel bad for the amateurs because a lot of those guys doing fighting things like that, getting fucked up. I, I'm not even gonna talk about the BJ Penn fight because, to be honest, I. That's another one of those fighters. Why the fuck did you come back? And I'm so fucking past that. Um, but damage over here. Oh, dude. That dude goes to brawl every fucking time. He doesn't come to fight. He comes to brawl. He wants to throw fucking hands. He wants to get in a phone booth. He just wants to swing for the goddamn fences. Now, this is where I'm not sure which way to call this fight because because of the way Darren likes to fight, that puts him in a lot of fucking danger when it comes to all. Yeah, yeah, it does. And the reason why I say this, Ryan Hall can hit that shit from everywhere. Standing, fucking around, wherever. Darren Elkins, very seasoned fighter. He's well over 30 professional fights. So the guy's been there, done that. He's seen a lot of shit. However, I don't think he's ever fought anybody who can fucking throw a leg lock from just about fucking anywhere. Look, I hopefully he spent his entire training camp doing nothing but fucking leg lock defense. Because that is a lot of what Ryan Hall does. I'm gonna say it's a fucking it's a scary situation. I don't know that I can call winner on this. If he can avoid those leg locks, whether it's you know rolls, scrambles, whatever the case is, he'll be fine. But on the other side of that, I can see Ryan Hall pulling that fucking shit out of fucking thin air where he I'll uh, fucking throw you up arm bar except for it's a leg lock you know um, a flying leg lock you know maybe he, maybe he's gonna pull the old fucking um the flying heel hook all uh fucking watching anderson silva get beat by rio chonin back in fucking pride i'm just saying it could happen it might be a desperation move and it works but it's a possibility it's out there i'm just saying anybody who hasn't seen that might go watch it it's fucking fantastic but um yeah, that's it's definitely definitely a possibility. I don't know that I can call a winner for that though, just because I don't know if I can see damage avoiding it. However, I don't see that I can see Hall landing it, so it's kind of fucking toss up for me. Although I guess if I did have to pick a winner, I would have to go with damage just purely on the fact of he's got a lot more fucking experience and he's a lot more willing to go in there and just pound somebody. Yeah, Hall is absolutely dangerous. He can hit that shit from everywhere. His his problem, in my opinion, is that he's very much a uh, 
for lack of a better comparison, a young Damian Maya. His jujitsu will put you in trouble from anywhere with a multitude of different options. But it's very much a single honed focus. He's, he's very much a one-trick pony. He doesn't have great striking. He doesn't have great defense other than his jujitsu attacks from a defensive position. But at the same time, you look across the octagon and damage is fucking powerful through the whole goddamn fight. He's one of those dudes where he can clip you at 459 in the last round and put your fucking lights out. But because he's always trying to put your fucking lights out, he definitely puts himself in a lot more risky positions than he needs to and than most fighters would, which will absolutely give Hall a lot of opportunities. I agree. I, I can definitely see the potential for Paul grabbing a fucking limb when Elkins is fucking coming for a swing or something or, you know, there's definitely some possibilities there as well. Next one we're going to jump right along to here. The next fight on the card. This one's a little interesting as well. This is a fighter who has had a little time out of the ring versus a fighter who has had a little time out of the ring here. The difference being that one of them's name is still fairly relevant while the other one, in my opinion, not so much. Uh, I'm talking about Juliana Pena versus Nico Montano. Now, for those who don't know the full story, uh, Nico Montano won the ultimate fighter, the inaugural women's flyweight division belt, and then almost immediately had to relinquish it. She just... Excuse me. I don't know because I wasn't in her camp what caused it, but she has had a series of very, very big issues going on with her just training altogether. Um, she was stripped of the belt. I'm, I'm not sure how they technically put it, whether she was stripped or whether she relinquished it, but she literally only held that belt for, I think, a month, maybe two. And then that whole shit was gone. And since then has not had anything good to show for herself. Whereas Juliana Pena on the other side of that, again, isn't one of those household names per se. And she has had a little time out of the octagon. But I think that this is going to be one of those situations where Juliana Pena has a legitimate bigger toolbox. She's got more options. She's got more momentum. She's got more fire in her belly. And Nico Montano really genuinely to me did not look like she really had any interest in being in the UFC from the ultimate fighter all the way up to her previous actions, which definitely speak louder than words in some situations. What this feels like to me is a chance for Juliana Pena to shake off the potential ring rust, to get back in there, to put on a good performance, to finish Montano and give the UFC a reason to cut her loose. And I don't think it's going to be simple. I don't think it's going to be pretty, but I feel like that's exactly how this is going to happen. I think that Pena is going to win it. I think it's going to be late in the third because I don't think this is one of those opening round closing fights. I think this is going to be a little bit more drawn out, but I think in the end, Pena is going to have what it takes to stop Montano before the end of the fight. And I think if that happens, I think the UFC cuts are loose. And this is the last time we see that name on a roster. I, to be honest, this fight for me is toss up. I, with both of them having the time off, like, Penny's been hot and cold. I'll say. Yep. 
she she hasn't gotten herself on any sort of drink. Antonio, whatever the fuck she had going on, it obviously kept her away for quite some time. Caused her a lot of issues. Hopefully that shit is all straightened out. She earned the right to be there. Fortunately, whatever the fuck happened, happened. It's gone, it's past. It's time to get your shit together. I don't necessarily see this as a fight where it's, um, we're going to cut one of these ways because look, this portion of the women's division, they're not very deep. Um, I'll, I'll say that flat all right. It's not a deep division at that weight class. They need the fighters on the roster. I don't think they're going to cut either one of them regardless of win, lose, or draw. Um, I think what this is, is this is a fight for both of them to go ahead and say, you know what, time to get that ring rust off. Let's go fucking um, put some other faces or bodies or whatever the case you want to fucking call it. To be honest, I think this is just a stepping stone fight for either one of them to get their careers back on track. Um, I could see it going either way. Um, however, with Pena being the more active of the two, I'm going to have to give the nod to Pena, but I don't think she's going to finish the fight. It'll end up being a decision. Uh, if it's a decision, it's going to be close or I could see that. There's definitely a possibility for that. So I think from there, we move along to, again, the very next fight on the card here. This one is, this is another interesting one here. This one, on the other hand, unlike the other two that we just talked about, I feel this one is going to absolutely be fireworks, but maybe not fireworks through the entire fight uh both of these gentlemen that we're talking about here are very explosive and very dangerous but neither one of them are, are known for their gas tanks now this time around we're talking about andre touchy feely and shaman morais now shaman morais is a perfect example of one of those gentlemen that you look at and go how the fuck did you just weigh in at featherweights because he's stepping in hitting 145 on a scale, and I'd bet you dollars to fucking donuts when he gets in that ring Saturday night, he's going to be closer to 165, 170, at least. He's a very, very large man, and it seems to be not just my opinion, but a lot of people's opinion that in cutting that much weight, that's the reason why he has no fucking gas tank to speak of. Now, Shaman Marais is one of those little dudes that's got dynamite in his fucking fist. So if he touches you, you're going to sleep. The problem is, is if you can out jog him for seven minutes or so, he's huffing and puffing like an 80 year old asthmatic man. He can't keep the full power full time for a three round fight. Even really on the other side of that, You've got Andre Philly, who has got some crisp striking and some decent grappling, but maybe not the best chin and definitely not a, a full start bell to end bell power set as well. That being said, Philly comes out and he puts nice combos together. He's got good movement. The question is, is it going to be good enough to keep the power of Shaman Marais from being able to connect and do the damage that it absolutely will if it connects. I don't think he does. I, I like Andre Philly. I like his style. He's got 
great fucking striking. He's got great movement. He's a good guy on the microphone. He talks well. But I just feel he's got to tighten his fucking game up a little bit more. You got to sharpen that fucking steel to precision. And I feel like he's still at a little bit of a rough edge on the blade right now. I think that even though he's definitely not a full-term fighter, as it were, he's not going bell to bell. Marais's power and his ability to use that power are just going to be a little bit too much for Philly. And, and I'm telling you, people are going to sleep on this, but watch the actual face-off between these two gentlemen. Look at the size difference between the two of them. I think this is a situation where the skill set of Philly are good. It's a nice toolbox, but it's just not to a point quite yet where it's going to be able to contend with Marais. I think that power is going to be a little too much. I think he's going to clip Philly getting sloppy, and I think it's going to be sleepy time. Huh. This is For me, this fight comes down to one thing and one thing only. Not their skill sets. This is strictly a gas tank fight. Yeah. I, I'm literally saying whose gas tank is fuller when the fight starts. Because both of them are known to have fucking horrible gas mileage. They're running around with fucking V8 engines when this is a four-banger class. Of course you're going to fucking run out of gas before somebody else. Uh, question is, is who's running the 350 and who's running the 405 here? Yeah. Because uh, to be honest, what I think is going to end up happening is I think Marias is going to lose this purely on wake up. Because Look, he's a muscle-bound cocksucker that should be fighting probably 155. At least. At least 155, if not jumping up to 170. Yeah. But, I mean, there is no reason that dude should be at 145 at all. Look at him. Fucking just all around fucking arms out because he can't get him down because of his lack. All that muscle, all of that weight cut causes a lot of gas tank issues. I don't give a fuck who you are. When you have to cut that much weight to get to 145, um, you're kind of fucked. Uh, I'm going to go on here and say uh, Mr. Touchy Feely is going to win this. Not because he's a better fighter. Not because he's got a bad chin, but because he's fucking outlast in gas tank wise. Not by a lot, by a little. Although, with the fucking power that Marias has, if it, if it happens, it's going to happen early. Yeah. I, I'm saying, if Marias wins this fight, it's going to be first, maybe early second. It, and that's if. And I'm saying if right now. Right now, my money is on Feely just by outlasting him, even though by the end of the third, this is going to look like a shit show. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But, and it, he's not, he's not going to finish Marais. I know that. No, no, I don't see that happening at all. But I think he will outpoint him, and I do think his gas tank's going to last just a, long enough to outlast him. As long as he gets past fucking, let's say, middle of the second round, him, he'll be safe. Uh, I wouldn't say put it on cruise control, but conserve your fucking gas tank because 
Rice has got way too much fucking muscle mass to be in there at 145 and keep a solid gas tank. Yeah. That's all there is to it. So, uh, sorry, Marias, this one's not going to be your day. Um, I can say that for anybody else who's in the 145 on the vision to fight Marias. As long as you've got a better gas tank than him and you can dance around, dance around, get on the bike for a little while, you'll end up winning out. You just got to avoid the early onslaught of all the power. That's all. Yeah, I could I could definitely agree with that. If if Philly can stay out of range of that fucking power shot of Marice, dance around him, drag him to the third. And I, I say that literally, drag him to the third, make him chase you into the third, then you can really put it on in the third and, and probably put him you know, at least put him in the points deficit. I don't think Philly has the power to to put Marice out, but I, I agree. If he can drag him into the third round and stay away from that fucking power hand and not catch too many shots, he could definitely take the point on him. But that will bring us into the meat and potatoes of the meat and potatoes, as it were, the main card this evening. And we're going to start that one right off at the top. I am jumping directly over the premier for your, the premium fucking fight on the uh, prelim card because it's a pair of nobodies who have no relevancy, no disrespect to either gentleman, but uh, that's that's a terrible fight to put as your highlight fight for the, the prelim card. Um, the first one I do want to talk about here, we are going right to the tippy top of the main card. We are talking about Marvin Vittori versus Cesar Fajaya. This is one of those fights that I feel like probably could have been switched with the Philly Marice fight and put on the top of the main card as opposed to on the prelim card. Um, I like Marvin Vittori. Uh, I don't have anything against Cesar Fajaya, but I feel like neither one of those gentlemen are quite as refined as Philly and uh, Marais are. I don't feel like that fight is going to be as entertaining. Um, I, I feel like in this situation, the, the grappling of Fajaya versus the striking of Vittori is going to be the deciding factor here. And I, and I feel like Vittori striking is going to be good enough to take it over Fajaya. I don't really think that's so much of a question for me as why the fuck this is on the main card versus the prelim against Philly and Marais. Um, I think Vittori's striking is going to be enough to take it here, but it, it's not going to be an easy thing. Fajaya does have, you know, a decent chin and fucking grappling you got to look out for, but I think in this situation, Vittori is just going to just knock him down. I think he's going to not knock him out. I think it's going to be a TK. I don't think it's going to be a knockout. I think his, his combination work particularly is going to be too much. I think he's just going to put him down. I think he's going to end up turtling up Fajaya as he tries to shoot for wrestling shots and they don't work. Um, I think this is a Vittori victory here. This is one of the fights I was not even planning on talking about. I'm not even going to lie. Um, however, um, there is something that I do want to mention because you did bring it up. Why is this on the main card? Um, as I look at the rest of the card, it doesn't make sense why any of these fights are on the main card or um, any of them not on the prelim card. So, as a whole, I'll, I'll say it, this card is shite. Yep. It's fucking garbage. Look, I get it. You needed something a filler weekend after fucking 
good champ champ fucking pay-per-view. Need something free on ESPN, get more fucking eyes on the sport. I get it. These are not the kind of fights to put in. However, I guess if we are going to talk about this fight, you pretty much nailed this one down to a T. Um, I don't foresee um, wrestling a fucking season to fucking do anything here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say Italy beats fucking Brazil, not on, like they will never do in soccer, but, you know, um, <laughs> at least um, they'll get this one. Take them where you can get them at that point. That's <laughs> it. Uh, now, I, I do have to say I am a little disappointed because I was very excited to talk about uh, the original opening fight on this card, which I had no opposition to whatsoever. And I feel that genuinely probably could have actually been the, the main event compared to what we're looking at here. And that was going to be Benyel Dariush versus Jakar Close. That was going to be a fucking spectacular matchup. And I, I'm sorry to inform everyone that that fight has officially been scratched from the card due to injury. Bummer. That, that in my opinion, would have been the most exciting fight on this fucking card. But alas, we will move along to the other fight that I would like to talk about here that I feel is going to be maybe not the most exciting, but I feel is probably going to be the most technical fight on the card this weekend, and that is Josh Emmett versus Mirsad Bektik. Now, Emmett had a very, very, very brutal setback a while back, but seems to have taken it in stride, literally took it on the chin, has gotten back in the gym, has gotten back to the fundamentals, really seems to have his shit back together, got a head of steam starting to build. I think this is one of those situations where if he can stay focused, if he can stay smart, if he can stay out of Merced's reach, use his reach to his advantage like he did early on when he started to build his hype, I think this is going to be one of those situations where we're going to have to start keeping an eye on Josh Emmett because he's really a genuinely good fighter. He just had a couple holes that seemed to have been exposed. And from what it looks like from the training videos, from his talk, from his press runs, he seems to have those holes figured out and seems to think that he's got him patched up. And I like Josh Emmett. I really hope that that's the case. The problem is, Mirsad is dangerous enough from everywhere that if Josh didn't square his shit up, if he didn't tighten his fucking gloves, pull that jock up and get himself back to where he needed to be, Merced is the type of opponent that's got a good enough fight IQ and he's quick enough and he's dangerous enough from everywhere with everything that he's going to expose that that hole is still there and it's going to be a bad night for Emmett. This is one of those situations where I don't always go with what you see on social media, but in this situation, the training videos, the, the progress, the work that Emmett has been showing that he's putting in, in this situation, gives me a little sense of hope that he really understands how big of a setback he took by letting those holes in his game get exposed and that he's gone and put the time in to correct those flaws in his game. I think this is going to be a situation where it's going to be a great fucking fight, but I think this is going to be Josh Emmett getting momentum behind him. It's not going to be an early fight, but I think this one either gets ended late in the third or goes to decision for a, a unanimous Emmett victory here. 
It's hard to follow when you're thinking along the same exact lines I'm thinking because <laughs> I don't know what else to add to that other than Emmett, prior to his setback there, he looked like he was going to be fucking dangerous for everyone in the division. Yep. Now, if he truly has patched those holes that were in his game, look, I I'm sure right now it's a temporary patch and he's still working on because when you get it, when you find a hole, you can start the patchwork, but it still takes time to fully rectify those situations and get them built up like the rest of them. It's just the way it works, unfortunately. However, he did on his last fight, oh, he did come back, had himself a nice little win, which was good to see. Maddie had to step back because I... I was actually getting ready to ride the Josh Emmett hype train there because it looked like that fucker was about to take off from the station again until he got derailed. But, that's just a fucking, that is a beast of a man right there. He's, he's got to go and fight. The dude, dude has fucking phenomenal takedown defense. He does not, he doesn't take many strikes. He does, he's got a fantastic defense as a whole. Josh Emmett is going to have to put in some fucking hard overtime work in this fight so to win this one. I do not think it, it's, it's not going to be a fight that he finishes. I don't think it's just purely on the fact that Merced's defense is so fucking fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Like that dude, he's he's got some holes in his game. I've seen them, and I'm sure Josh can exploit them, but. To be able to exploit those holes, you have to get through that fucking defense. And that's a tough fucking cookie to crack. That's what it's that's what makes this fight, in my opinion, so interesting. Rashad's fucking defense. Right there. That dude, he has some top rated fucking defense in my opinion. It's gonna be interesting to see how Josh copes with that and can he get past that. But I do think you're right when you say Josh and I and I do you think it's going to go to the decision? He will not finish Versace. There's just no way. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll, if he does, maybe he gets lucky, he gets a little fight bonus, he can add some more color to his fucking tattoos that he's got going on. You know, right. He does have some of the most colorful tattoos I've seen in MMA. So. He, he does have some great ink on him. I will absolutely give him that. <laughs> so, definitely, Emmett decision but it, it's going to be a fun fight to watch it, and it's all really going to come down to how good is Mursad's fucking defense on that night yeah because you know Emmett's going to bring it it's he, there's no choice at this point he's he's got to go pedal to the fucking floor at this point and I, I think he's gonna I think it's going to be a, a damn good fight so that that will bring us along to the co-main event of the evening, I say with as much excitement as I can muster for this fucking matchup. The reason we are talking about this fight being in Sacramento is because this is Uriah Faber's hometown. So the fight we are obviously talking about, as you can most likely tell by my uncontrollable enthusiasm, is Uriah Faber coming out of retirement to fight the meanest mullet in the UFC, Ricky Simone. 
this fight, not for nothing against Ricky, has all the potential of watching 15 minutes of paint drying. Uriah Faber is coming off of freshly getting his ass quite thoroughly handed to him by 16-year-old Nicky Ryan in a combat uh, submission-only grappling match. He was quite thoroughly defeated by the pint-sized, maybe 100-pound soaking wet with a fucking jacket on Nicky Ryan not to take anything away from Nicky Ryan because that young man is a literal 16-year-old jiu-jitsu prodigy and is very, very dangerous in his own right. But he is also a string bean skinny, weigh nothing 16-year-old who handed Uriah Faber his ass definitively. Uriah Faber is essentially doing the exact opposite of what we just sang the praises of Chad Mendez doing. I think personally Uriah Faber should have initially retired before he did. I think his last outing was a great example of why he should have retired before he did. And I understand that the that whole fucking camp that he has built right now he's surrounded by young guys who are doing the damn thing and they're all in there just killers going after it. And I can see how being surrounded by those guys might, you know, bring back the the concept of youth in your brain and make you think you can still do it. But even in just your jujitsu aspect, which you're saying is now your most dangerous skill, you just got your ass handed to you by a string bean 16 year old in your best skill and now you're going to come out of retirement and step in against the meanest mullet the ufc has to throw at you ricky simone is no fucking slouch and i i I make jokes but i have nothing but respect for ricky simone his fucking striking is legitimately a problem for everyone he gets in the fucking ring with his movement is great. His head movement in particular, watching that fucking mullet weave, bob, and bounce is fucking awe-inspiring. The kid is a dangerous prospect, and he is absolutely getting un-fucking-appreciable un spotlight right now that I feel he should have gotten before this point. But he's getting the spotlight now. I just wish it wasn't because he's got to beat up this fucking coming out of retirement soup can that they're calling Uriah Faber. I think Uriah, to his credit, had great days, built himself a legitimate legacy, absolutely stamped his name on this sport and helped make it what it is today. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that's not the Uriah that we're going to see Saturday night. There's no possibility, there is no option Saturday night that we see the Uriah that made people love watching him 10 years ago. It's just not a chance. The problem is Ricky Simone can go out there and lose to Uriah Faber, and it was an off night against a guy who's coming back who had a lot of hype. But on the other side of that, if Uriah comes out and, like I think is most likely going to happen, 
gets the shit beat out of him by the mean man with the mullet, Ricky Simone. Ricky Simone gains name for beating Uriah Faber while Uriah Faber literally just does more detriment to his own legitimate legacy that he clearly worked so fucking long and hard to build. That not only takes away from his legacy, that takes away a step or a little piece of notoriety in the credibility of the gym that he's trying to establish as something to be reckoned with. I feel like this is one of those situations where Uriah should have stayed on the fucking bench. Do your damn thing. You've got a gym. You've got a career outside of the UFC. You retired. No one was mad that you retired other than you, apparently. And I think he's going to come back this weekend, and it's going to be maybe not as bad, but definitely akin to the Chuck versus Tito 3 fight. I think we're going to see a guy who's a former a shell of his former self come out and just get fucking handled. And I think that Ricky Simone is going to come out here and do exactly what I and a lot of people seem to think, and that is put Uriah back into the fucking retirement column this weekend. Oh, what a nightmare this is. Um, look, I, I have a feeling because of, I'm guessing this is what happened. I don't think it was so much Uriah got the itch to fight again. I think it's because the UFC couldn't figure out what to put on the Sacramento card after they knew that they had a double champion fight coming up. I mean, look at the rest of the card. I think this was a, hey, we're going to be in your hometown. How are you feeling? Are you healed up? It's been a while since we've seen you. I know you said you're retired, but um, we're going to pay you a lot of fucking money to come out. In fact, I'm going to venture to guess. Purely basically the highest paid fighter on this card. Oh yeah, yeah. Every, every promotion they've done, at least for the last couple of days, maybe not for the, the whole fight week this week, but at least for the last couple of days, the card is not being promoted as the, the main event for the card. It's being promoted as the Sacramento Kids Homecoming. Yep, and this is where I'm thinking, maybe he didn't really come out of retirement. Maybe it was they just offered him enough money. He's like, you know what? I still train every day with these guys. I've had time to heal up from all the previous wreckage I've done because he hasn't fought in, what, two years? Three. Last time he was in the octagon was beginning of 2016. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Um, if I remember correctly, his last fight where he said he was hanging them up, he did win, which, good for you. You won your last fight on the way out. I really don't. I, this goes right into the thing we were talking about earlier. When you retire, stay retired. Don't come out of retirement. Stick with the fucking coaching thing, dude. You've got some fucking phenomenal fighters coming out of that fucking training yesterday. You're making some people have some fucking enemies there and things of that nature, which is fucking fantastic. But it is definitely time for you to go ahead and say, you know what? I've had enough. Now, should the miraculous happen and he's healed up so well that he looks oh, not quite as up. Former shell of himself, but pretty close to his former self. It could be an interesting fight. I'll say it could be. However, Ricky Simon, dude, that's a fucking shitty welcome home present. I'm just saying, 
you're about to get your shit kicked in here. I, I think you should have stayed retired. Nothing against you. I love you. I love everything you fucking done for the sport. You were always a phenomenal stand-up fucking fighter. You always had the right things to say. You were phenomenal on the mic when they came time for you to talk at an interview. Man, what the fuck is wrong with these guys? Look, you retired when you still had your head. Not to say you're coming out. I, I just have a hard time believing that he was coming out of retirement. I, especially being as the way this card was. There's something that tells me they said, dude, we need a filler fight. You're from Sacramento. We need more sales on this because the rest of this fight is stacking up as garbage. Do us a favor, and we're gonna we're gonna make you a really really good fucking offer. I have a feeling that somehow someone how that conversation went. If he actually got the itch to fight again, then it's on him. But I, I have this strange feeling where I think it worked around the other way. But by the way. Ray Simon's going to end up taking this. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, as much as I would love to see Uriah win, because I do love Uriah Faber, it's, it's just not in the cards on this one. You're, you're coming home to a really rough um, welcome home present. That's all I can say, because uh, it's not going to be pretty. It's just going to be one of those sad things. Uh, the case of case point we've been making, it's time to go. You know it's time to go. Step away. Do you think he was already doing this thing? Don't come back. Unfortunately, your name is not Jack, so I can't get into that song and dance right now like I would like to. But, you know, Ricky, do us a favor. Flop that fucking beautiful mullet and do some work, dude. Um, This is the one thing I'll say I don't, that I, I kind of don't agree with. I can't say it's a name under your belt because at this point he's such a shell. He hasn't fought in three years. That name on your belt doesn't mean shit at this point. Whether whether you beat Dreyer or not, for in my opinion, for Ricky, this is a no win. Even if he does win, because you're fighting somebody who hasn't fought in three years, who was a shell of his former self fucking five years ago as he was starting in decline, or six years ago when he was starting in decline in the sport. It, it, it's for Ricky this. To be honest, this is just something for you to make a paycheck on and have a fairly easy evening on Sunday. But who knows? I've been known to be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Ricky wins this. In fact, I'm going to go out and tell you this all right. I think he's going to end up finishing it. I do as well. I think Ricky's going to. I think Ricky's going to. I don't. Now I'll say this: I'm not certain if it's going to be a KO or a TKO, maybe even a submission, because Ricky does have a little jujitsu in his bag. But I, I am also confident that Ricky is going to finish Uriah one way or another. Yeah, it's a sad, sad thing for me to see because I am a huge Uriah fan. And as much as I want to root for him in this fight, I know it's a futile effort. Right. It is what it is. I just hope he's smart enough after this fight to say, you know what, maybe I was wrong or I'm glad they only asked me to do this once. Right. Right. I I agree. I agree completely. I think if, if like you're saying that this was a uh, UFC backs dump truck full of money up to Uriah's fucking door and they're like, hey, I know that you're doing the team alpha male thing, but uh, 
we're going to put out a card in Sacktown. Are you sure you're really retired? Are you, are you close to weight still? Are you, you, you feeling all right? Cause uh, I, I have a feeling that this may be his uh, Derek Lewis moment where he shouldn't have been in there, but they're going to back a dump truck full of fucking money up to your house. You're going to take the fucking fight. And uh, even though he's got team alpha male going, I'm pretty sure the UFC can write a bigger check for you. So I think, I think this is going to be a bad night for Uriah either way it goes. But that will bring us to the meat and potatoes of the meat and potatoes in the meat and potatoes of this episode here. The main event of the evening. As you can tell, it warrants about as much excitement and enthusiasm as the co-main event. We are talking about, unfortunately, Jermaine Durandamy versus Aspen Ladd. Now, I'm not sure what bothers me more about this fight. The fact that the hype train behind Aspen Ladd is so fucking huge and undeserved in my opinion or the fact that Jermaine Durandamy is getting a main event at bantamweight now I'm not opposed to Jermaine Durandamy I will put it that way I have zero faith or fucks to give for Aspen Lad. I've seen her fight. I've seen her training videos. I don't think that hype train deserves to even be on a set of fucking tracks at this point. I think there's potential there because she's still a young fighter. Earn your fucking stripes first, though. I feel like this is another one of those names that the UFC is pushing way too fucking hard because they need more women stars right now. And I think this has got some undue shove coming behind Aspen Ladd. The other side of that is that Jermaine Durandamy, before she ever made it to the UFC, already had a full and extensive career as a kickboxer and a Muay Thai fighter. There's a reason they call her the Iron Lady. She was a bad, bad woman when you stepped against her when she was in her prime in her previous career prior to the UFC. Since coming to the UFC, the only real notable things that she has done were late shots against Holly and then completely giving up her belt to Duck Cyborg. Neither one of those are anything good or anything bragworthy that you would want on your fucking resume. What it essentially boils down to, in my opinion here, is we've got an old guard who's still somewhat dangerous, if not shady as fuck, and on the payroll, question mark, versus a new up-and-comer that they're putting way more emphasis on than she needs or deserves yet in another what seems to be an attempt to make a gatekeeper almost out of Durandame and 
give Aspen Ladd a chance to beat a name and try and help further her career and, and get a, a number behind her name at the end of the day. I, I think my biggest problem with this matchup is that it's a main event. I think that on a fight night is where it belongs. I think that maybe the premier fight for a prelim would be a little more appropriate than the main event, the reason to draw people to a card. But I think this is one of those where after Duraname relinquished the title and pulled that bullshit with Holly, they should have just fucking let her go. She has more than spent her time in the world of combat sports. She is far from a spring chicken. It is not like she is now all of a sudden going to come down to 135, beat Aspen Ladd, go on a run, and then try and take the title away from Amanda. She wouldn't fight Cyborg. And you saw what Amanda did to Cyborg. It's not like she's magically going to cut an extra 10 pounds, gain a full head of steam, go on a fucking run, and then upset Amanda at 135. Not to mention, if she did decide that maybe this was just a, a, you know, a play attempt down at 135, she's going to go back up to 145, you still have to face Amanda. And look what Amanda did to Cyborg. That's one of the few situations where I'm confident enough in MMA math to know that what Amanda did to Cyborg would probably be a walk in the park compared to what Amanda would do to Durandame. Not just on a skill level, but on a mileage level. Cyborg has been around a while, definitely has some mileage, but didn't necessarily take a lot of damage in getting those mileage. Cyborg, for the most part, has been the aggressor, the one putting out the damage throughout her career. She didn't really absorb a whole lot prior to Amanda just betchcohaying that fucking ass down to the canvas the other night. Now, I'm not saying there is no chance in the world for Aspen Ladd to win this fight. What I'm saying is there is a slim to no chance in the world for Aspen Ladd to win this fight but the caveat to that is it doesn't fucking matter if Durandame beats Aspen Ladd she dropped weight classes and beat a young prospect who has virtually no experience in the UFC right now whereas on the other side of that when Durandame beats Ladd, which is my my opinion here, it's just going to be another W on Durandame's resume that doesn't really fucking mean anything because it's not like this is going to springboard her title contention run. I don't see Durandame ever touching gold in the UFC or getting near it ever again. This unfortunately is the main event that we're left with for Saturday night as sad as it is I'm still gonna call it here I think Durandame stops Aspen Ladd I'm not saying knocks out Aspen Ladd I'm saying I think she stops her most likely TKO I'm guessing based on strikes 
middle of the third, early third. I don't think this is a quick fight. I don't think this is an easy fight. And I don't think this is going to be a very entertaining fight. I feel like Durandame, with her experience, is going to let Lad wear herself out early on and try and figure out the timing and read her a little bit. Because Durandame, to her credit, does have a decent fight IQ and good adaptability to a certain extent. I feel like Durandame is going to just turn it up too much and she's going to stop Lad in the third, but it's not going to be impressive and it's not going to be noteworthy and it's not going to be bragworthy, but it is going to be the end of our night for UFC Saturday night. Well, on that note, this goes along with everything I've been saying about the entirety of this fucking card. Why is this the main event? You know what? If you, they haven't even... They haven't even posterized this as the main event. The main event for this is their Uriah favorite fight, period. And it's not that that deserves it either, because it really doesn't. But regardless, this is what we have to work with. Now, I'm not on the Aspen Lad Hype train. Anime, whatever. To be honest, what I think this is the UFC doing what kind of soup can can they get in line to fight Amanda to continue to cement her legacy so she can defend both belts at 145 and 135. She just did it at 145. Or is that 135? Well, yeah, that was 135 this weekend. Okay. She said she wants to go back up and do 145. Neither of these two bitches can do 145 that are fighting on Saturday. Neither one. But they will make for great fucking cannon fodder for Amanda to go in, um, head kick, TKO, submit, whatever. However she wants. However she wants, yeah. Um, she's going to lay hands on somebody. However, um, I don't think it really matters who wins this fight. I didn't, I, I, I'm not even going to pick a winner for it because I honestly don't give a fuck. Because um, to be honest, I think what they're looking for is Amanda hasn't cleaned out the complete division yet of 135. She's pretty close. And this one right here would be one of those fights. One of these two. And to be honest, what I think this is setting up for is 2082 bitches might get a title shot depending on how this fight looks. Maybe. Jeremy won't be Nunes. Lad definitely not going to be Nunes uh, with the lack of experience. She's definitely got some. She's definitely got some polish to be needing there. I think if she gets polished, she'd do all right. But she'd still get her ass fucking handed to her by Amanda. But um, that's there's not a fighter that I see in the UFC on either the 135 or 145 pound division performing that can hold a candle to Amanda. And so that tells me that's going to be a long reign for the lioness. So I'm just saying be a long time before some other fucking bride decides to come and take over. But, um, this fight, to be honest, I'm not going to pick a winner because I honestly don't care. The hype train behind Vlad is like some hype trains we've seen for some other fighters and it's all being pushed because they're looking for that next big star, the next big draw. To be honest, put a hype train behind fucking Michelle Waterson, please. Put it behind the Grotty Hottie, I'm just saying. That's something that a lot of people would like to get behind. Um, uh, and there's a double entendre there for some of you guys. 
Um, but this fight really doesn't fucking matter. Although now that I am thinking of Michelle Watterson, we forgot to mention in the news stuff, she will be fighting Joanna Yemjajan as well. We forgot that in the news segment earlier. So just an FYI for those of you guys who are sticking around this night watching everything, you got an extra piece of news. Yep, you it will. That's right. It was confirmed. I did mention it was rumored last week, but it was confirmed this week. It is set. And uh, for the record, that is one mom champ train I would gladly get behind. <laughs> oh, yeah, this fight, to be honest, it, it could go either way, in my opinion. Lad's still pretty green. She's had some decent fights, but they've also been feeding her soup cans to make her look better. So, um, Poor Jojo. Trying to make she's been she's been fucking hot and cold her entire career when it comes to um, MMA as far as mixed martial arts, boxing, all that shit. That's a whole different world. This though, this she's been hot and cold. So to be honest, I don't know who's going to fight. I honestly don't give a fuck um, until Lad looks more polished or until Trying to make decides she wants to actually truly put in the time and effort. This fight has no bearing on me whatsoever. Am I going to watch it? Yes, because I'll watch all of it. But this is just like the rest of this card. This is um, fluff on top of fluff on top of fluff main event. So, you know, fuck it, I'm over it. Right? I'm telling you. I was more interested in talking about the news this week than I was watching this fight card. Likewise, and and that's exactly why I made a point to to keep all of the news that we did talk about there in there is because honestly, I'm right there with you, man. Realistically, I was more excited about any one of those pieces of news that we talked about than actually breaking down this card because as a hardcore fan that I, I consider myself, I watch a lot of combat sports, not just UFC not just Bellator. I watch one. I watch Ryzen. I watch Cage Warriors. I watch KSW. I watch the EBIs. I watch the fucking, uh, uh, fucking, what do they call it? Quintets. You know, I, I watch a lot of grappling. I watch a lot of bare knuckle. I watch, you know, essentially as much combat sports as I can intake because I love it. It's absolutely one of my favorite things in the world. It's the reason that we have, now that we've got a chance to mention it, been doing this show right here for one full calendar fucking year the very first inaugural episode of the i'm no joe show was july 7th 2018 the reason we've been doing this for a year the reason i am so emphatic so enthusiastic about doing this not just on the show but i do it in social media i do it face to face you can ask my friends like it or not if i'm around you're going to talk ufc or mma at some point in time in the conversation this is one of my strongest passions it's why i fucking do this and seeing the ufc just shit down our neck with such a disappointing fluff filled card like this is why i made a point to cram the news so fucking full for this particular episode. But with that, we have exhausted our news. We have exhausted our meat and potatoes in all sense of the word here. So we're gonna go ahead and start to wrap this up for the evening. So before we get into anything else, first and foremost, I do wanna thank you for taking the time to be a part of this with me here on this inaugural episode or the, uh, the first annual episode as it were. Um, TJ, if somebody thinks 
that this is not a filler fight card, that this is just great times that we're, we're neglecting as MMA fans, how would they be able to continue this conversation with you, my friend? By calling their local representatives and in fact, you don't know, I can tell them to get a hold of me on Instagram, on YouTube, and I will personally, in an envelope, stuff a quarter, put a 50 cent fucking stamp on there because that's what it's going to cost to send it to you so you can call somebody who actually cares about this card because I am not that fucking guy. But if you do want to chat other UFC events or fucking anything else for that matter, Wednesday nights, 9.30, YouTube, Golf to you Vapes, find me there live on Instagram, message me anywhere. You can also email me same email golftvapes at gmail.com obviously tonight i'm feeling like dickhead so there we are well regardless of feeling like dickhead or not thank you again for your time brother i truly appreciate you coming out here and giving your feedback and throwing your opinion out there with me um we are going to call that all for this evening though um remember if we made it through this entire episode with you and we made you giggle, or we gave you an opinion you hadn't considered before. Maybe we talked some shit that just you can't stop thinking about. We got that earworm in you. Give us a thumbs up. Maybe give us a subscribe. If we really tickled your goddamn fancy, give us a share. We're trying to grow this thing. We've been at it for a year, and we ain't fucking stopping now. So you might as well just get on board. On the other hand, if we're just two dumbasses sitting in front of our fucking cameras, blowing smoke out our ass, Give it a thumbs down. We deserved it, and I won't dispute that for you in the least bit. But the important part is that's all we've got for this one. So remember, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. This is where you're supposed to say your clever part, DJ. Or if you're one of those guys who thought this was all fluff, Maybe it's because you're a fluffer and you're used to swallow. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with expert timing. There were funky China men from funky Chinatown. They were chopping them up. They were chopping them down. It's an ancient Chinese art. And everybody knew their part. From a fainting to a slip and a kick.